Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Do you struggle with weight with your weight regardless of how healthy you eat and how much you exercise? I have America's angriest trainer here to tell you why and how to fix your metabolism. Vinny Tortorich is Hollywood's trainer and he is angry that we have been duped. Vinny is the author of his personal fitness memoir, Fitness Confidential, and has a very popular podcast, The Angriest Trainer. And by the way, I listen to that podcast. It's hilarious. Vinny, hello and welcome to my show. Uh, thank you for having me on. This is really cool. Now, you're, you're a radio show and uh, a podcast, right? Yes. So I started this show back in the fall of 2006. So well, you're an old timer. I'm an old timer. And um, yeah, the way that we used to do stuff and the way it happens now is very different. So um, I've been doing this for a long time and, and learned a lot and did not, you know, like you, didn't really realize where I was, uh, what it was going to take me and all the experiences and the people that I'd be able to interview and the people that I could help with the podcast. So it's just been incredible. So it's been a great ride. Well, congratulations to you guys. Um, now that I know you exist and, you know, I went on and read, you know, right before I came on, I went and read a lot about you and, and you know, I Googled you. I, I can't believe that that's actually a term, <laughs> but I Googled you and um, I, I fell in love with you right away. And I can't wait to go back and listen to your back episodes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, when I, I have to tell you this, Vinny, when I first heard you, I wasn't in love with you. I was like, ooh, I don't really know about this guy. And, um, but I kept going back and listening. I was, there was just something that kept driving me there. And, that, and part of it is just me because I am very skeptical at first. And, and I have a lot of armor. But, and I just kept going back and I kept showing up and kept listening to your podcast. And then I even, and I don't do this because like on this radio show, I get a ton of free books all the time. I even got to the point where I'm like, I'm going to go buy his audiobook, Fitness Confidential. And I listened to your book over the 4th of July weekend. I was doing a lot of cleaning of house and organizing closets and stuff. And I just put in my earbuds and I listened and I was rolling. I was just cracking up and it was great. <laughs> um, so, and then, you know, just recently I was in Montana for our annual family trip and yeah. listened to you a lot on the way up there and on the way back and a little bit when I was in town, you know, had some time by myself because can't have, you know, can't disconnect from the family when we're actually hiking. We have to talk. But when they were off doing their own things, I'd listen to you. So and I just crack up and I listen. And um, sometimes my kids will hear stuff, too, because the way you and Anna roll your podcast is you don't edit anything. You just let it all roll. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if the dog, you know, throws up on the carpet while, you know, we, we will make that part of the podcast. And <laughs> um, we don't edit out like sometimes I'm at I'm in my home studio right now. My dogs, they could come in and start barking, and that will be left in my show. It's all that kind of, and, and you've heard it, and mm -hmm. I, I'll literally walk away from the mic during the show, and that's, <laughs> that's part of the show. It just, it all stays in. And uh, just to address a couple of things that you just said, um, yeah, most people hate me right off, and for some reason, they listen again and again, and then they go, wait a minute. 
this guy's not trying to sell me anything. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a product to sell. He's not pushing anything on me. And uh, maybe he's right about his approach. And so we get a lot of that. Of course, um, this one guy in New York, Don Coddington, who's actually become a friend of mine now through the podcast, uh, he, he actually, he, he can't believe because he travels around the United States. He goes, there's no way you're from Southern Louisiana. You know, w where did you come from? You didn't, obviously you didn't come from there, but, uh, yeah, that, that's me. I'm, I'm a country boy from the South and, uh, you know, I only believe in, you know, telling the truth and being truthful. And the other thing that people realize is that I'm not angry at all. <laughs> it's just like, it's the polar opposite of anger. So why do you call yourself America's Angriest Trainer? Well, you know, when we created the podcast, um, I hate saying when we created it. That's the douchiest thing you could say, right? <laughs> I mean, I, we didn't, like, I, I literally called my friend Anna Vocino, who I think has also been on your yep. show. And I knew she had some recording gear, and she's a comedic actress. So I called her and said, Anna, look, before you hang up, I'm not going to try to ask you to lose weight. And she goes, okay, I'm listening. I said, I want to do something that they're calling a podcast. And there was a big, long pause. And, and then she said, why? And I said, well, because I wrote a book and the people over at William Morris is telling me that I'm not popular at all. And I need to do anything on the internet to get popular. And since I did a radio show back in the 80s, I'm thinking maybe I can do this. And she said, I'm not really interested. And I said, well, look, I'll tell you what. I will give you the galleys of my book, the book that we're going to be putting out. Read the galleys and then give me a call. And she took she took the book with her on uh, vacation the next day to Hawaii. And she called me on day two and she said, I will do whatever you want to do. Uh, we, you know, I, I love this book. Oh, my God. You have to do this podcast. And that's how it was, quote unquote, created. So it sounds like for you, the book is really what's launched this like second act in your career because you've been a fitness trainer for how many years now, Vinny? Over 30. Yeah. So you and you had this business that was going on, but then you wrote this book and now you have this worldwide business with the podcast and with all the stuff that you do. So you have a second act now because people have more access to you, it sounds like. You know, you're right. It is a second act. Um, I'm 50. I'm going to be 52 next month. And I literally quietly did my career. And because I do it out in Hollywood and because I have a lot of celebrities and whatnot, you know, early and often in the 90s, back when when infomercials were the big deal, <laughs> I would get the call. You know, our Guthy Rinker and all these different big infomercial companies would give me the call and they would get me in the room and they would go, okay, we want to attach celebrities fitness train, you know, the celebrity fitness trainer to this piece of junk or that piece of junk. And it was always like thigh mastery or, you know, ab rocket, you know, type of junk. And I, you know, I would look at it and go, I I'm not going to do this. And I would have managers and agents who were trying to sign me tell me that I'm the world's biggest idiot because I could be making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, just by lending my name to these products. And I wouldn't do it because I would always think about my family back home. I did do one infomercial. That's how it all started. And everyone from back home started calling me and saying, oh, my God, I saw you on... 
as they would say, I saw you on the TV. Oh my God, I'm going to get the product. And I was going, no, don't buy that. It's <laughs> junk. It's total junk. And they were like, well, we don't understand. You, you were talking about how great it was. And I realized how much of a dupe I had been by doing that. And I felt awful about myself. And I said, I will never do another one of these unless someone is selling a product that actually really works. And being out in Hollywood for 23, 24 of my 30 years of, of being in this business, you know, I couldn't find one product that worked. So when my buddy Dean Laurie approached me to write a book, I said no, because I thought that someone would want me to, you know, more or less bastardize my work, which I didn't want to see happen. So I initially turned down the notion of doing a book. Mm -hmm. And then... But but you still wrote it. So how did that happen? Um, well, because I almost died, mm -hmm. and when I got a second chance at life, I, I, that's a big statement. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll well, take you back a bit. I, see, I know this information because I listened to your book, but the listeners don't know this information. <laughs> yeah, I I I literally almost died of, of leukemia, and you know Dean Laurie, who is my closest buddy. Uh, and he is a television producer, writer, creator of shows. Um, uh, geez, I, I'm trying to think of, do you know what he's done? Because he, he, he was the one that brought Robin Williams back to television, the, the late Robin Williams now. So, and, Vinny, you can, you can tell this to Dean. The reason I know who Dean Laurie is is because of Vinny. Because, oh, wow. because I listened to your show and then I've listened to a couple of the interviews with him and I've read your book, right? So I went and looked him up. And until you, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> well, that's that's what's driving, you know, because I'm gonna get back to what I was just talking about, but let me sidestep. I, I never sidestep, just just once. Yeah. I'm gonna sidestep. You know, we're all kind of weirded out, even me, that I've become a thing. Um <laughs> I was, and I'm going to name drop here, but I was sitting around with uh, Dean and, um, uh, God, who was it? Uh, Damian Wayne, uh, Wayans. Do you know who Dame, Damian Yes, Wayans? I know who he is, the Wayne yeah, brothers. Very funny comedian. He, he Dean did his show, My Wife and Kids. And we were sitting around having dinner a week or so ago, and they were talking about how I'm now a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And we were all sitting there going, how did you become a thing? And we don't even know because there was no kind of, hey, let's make you a thing. It just happened. And it happened because, you know, I had leukemia. I almost died. And Dean and I were having a scotch one night. And after we realized that I wasn't going to die. And he said, you know, you almost died with all of this great information that you've never given to the world. And again, I thought that was kind of a, I said, yeah, right. Yeah. I said, Dean, no one can buy what I'm selling. He said, why can't they buy it? I said, because I'm not selling anything. I'm just telling people not to eat as many sugars and as many grains as they eat. And if they do that, they will lose weight. It's too simple. <laughs> he said, well, just tell that to the world. And that's enough. And I said, no, it's not. But turns out it was. You know, it was enough. Mm -hmm. And... um and here we are, you know, um, we're doing well with it. Well, so let's go back to, so you did this infomercial a long time ago. Your family back, your family and friends back at home wanted to buy this product and you realized, hey, wait a second, don't buy it. It's junk. 
So did that stop you from continuing to pursue, you know, this kind of the gold, the treasure in hot down, down in the infomercial world? Yeah. You know, I wasn't, you know, there were two or three, the, the, I'll tell you what the product was called. It was called the body plus, it was called the American gladiator body plus fitness machine. And I wasn't the spokesmodel. I was the, the guy, they, they would mention me by name in the entire 30 minute infomercial. Now, you know, fitness trainer, Vinny Tortorich is going to show you how to use this. And everyone back home who knew me because I was just fresh out here in Hollywood we're going, well, we love Vinny and we know that, you know, Vinny's been working out his whole life and I'd been a big football player back home and all that. I played uh, ball for um, Tulane University and they were like, well, if Vinny is using this machine, obviously it's a great machine. And I was just collecting a check. And that's when I realized the power of the media and that I had put something, I had done something that I didn't believe in. Um, would the machine work if you used it correctly? Yes. But while we were shooting the infomercial, the machine was falling apart. Like we would have to take breaks so that a mechanic can come in and fix the machine so that we can use it for another few reps. That's how cheap it was. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And when these people, that infomercial became like infomercial of the year, some crazy award show thing. And the, I started getting other infomercial offers. They were coming out of the woodworks. And, um, you know, it's kind of like that song, um, uh, Have a Cigar. You know, they would call me in and go, hey, hey, you know, here you go. You know, here's a, here's a bag of money. Would you just sign on the dotted line? And I wouldn't because I, I wouldn't do it again. Call oh. me an idiot. So, so here, this is, this is why I like you though, Vinny, and this is why I keep going back to your podcast is because you are a values driven person, right? You think about what, what is important to you and what are your values? And then you don't sell yourself out. You will not whore yourself out just for the almighty dollar. I mean, tell me where I'm wrong with that. You're not. Um, I, I've remained, you know, as I always say, I've scratched and clawed my way right to the bottom in life. Um, I have never, money means as much to me as anyone else. You know, I, I want to have a lot of money. Just like you, I love Montana. I love Yellowstone. I, you know, I love, you know, I would take my bike. As a matter of fact, I learned that I had cancer right when I came back from training up in, you know, Yellowstone for two weeks. I came home and found out I was almost dead. Um, and I like taking trips. That costs money. Mm -hmm. I live in Woodland Hills, California. By by definition, that costs money. You know, I, I have uh, medical bills and car notes and insurance, just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. But I'm not willing to lie to people to get what it takes to live. You know, I'd rather make less money and live on a little less. Don't don't you think that's one of the like the keys to your success in this podcast world? In is because of your you're authentic and you're transparent in that way. I think it is, and. You know, I try never to use the word transparent because it's kind of become another one of those words. You know, it's kind of like th there are several words I can't stand uh, and, and words come and go. Mm -hmm. uh, when people say wheelhouse, mm -hmm. you know, oh, that's not my wheelhouse or that's above my pay grade. Those are words I can't stand because when I grew up, when, when I was a kid, see, uh, we did things differently. You know, we didn't say things were not you know, when, when someone says something and said, hey, can you drive that tractor? 
I would just say yes, and then climb on the tractor and figure out how it works. Those things would literally happen. I would never go no. But people now say no to everything. Oh, that, you, know, you know, that's above my pay grade. How about you, you know, how about you better yourself and make your pay grade a little higher? That's outside of my wheelhouse. What the hell does that even mean? You know, how about you just increase your gearbox or your wheelhouse or whatever that term actually means? You know, that's what drives me. Now. You see, you're making me angry now, Corin. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sorry for taking over your show here, but just give me a moment. I'll, I'll calm down. So whenever I hear transparency, isn't that something that the, you know, the last group of, of politicians used, yet nothing is transparent? It's like, uh, didn't, didn't the, Obama, the Obama administration run on transparency, good, bad, or otherwise? Oh, we're going to be open. We're going to tell everyone everything. No, you're not. This is a government. We can't know everything. We don't want to know everything. We don't want to know how the sausage is made. And with me, I let everyone see how the sausage is made. Mm -hmm. that, that's the only difference. But I hate when people say transparent. You, did, did you ever think that you were going to say the word transparency and I go on a five-minute rant about transparency? <laughs> well, I think you disproved your point that you're not America's angriest trainer, Vinny. <laughs> You see, I'm not angry at anyone. I'm angry with them because I think other people are upset by this stuff. No, well, I, I like the point that you have that we have been duped, right? There's so much information. There's so much misinformation. And I remember years ago, we went to Alaska. My husband was um, running a swim clinic up there and my kids were little. I think they were um, four and two or 18 months, you know, and it was the first time I'd watched TV in I don't know, probably five years. And there were these infomercials because back then we didn't even have cable. We just had telephone antenna wings or whatever. And I was watching these infomercials. My husband would come home. I'd be like, oh my gosh, we need to buy this and we need to buy this. And he's like, what is happening? But I was a sucker for those infomercials. And they, you know, they do all that persuasion stuff and all the marketing techniques that we even now see in the internet world. But so, you know, and I have been duped and myself. So I like the fact that you're talking about um, it's, you know, it, it's really simple, right? You're no sugars, no grains, go do some hard work. And um, you don't need all this other stuff. And I like the fact that you weren't willing to sell yourself out just to, you know, sell products to people that really weren't going to give them the results that they wanted. Uh, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and people do, you know, you're a smart woman and you were getting duped yeah. by those commercials. Um, years ago, one of the networks, back when we used to watch network television, kids back in the day, there were three channels, ABC, NBC, and CBS, and Fox, if you want, you know. I was watching one of these shows where they did an inside the infomercial thing. Mm -hmm. And they actually went to a couple of those companies that used to try to get me to sign on the dotted line. And uh, NBC spent about $80,000. And they, they, they created a weight loss. Oh, no, wait, it wasn't a weight loss pill. It was a clear up your skin, you know, have better skin you know, overnight just by taking a pill. So they took a capsule and they had it filled with Nestle's Quick. And they had labels done and the whole thing. And then they went to the infomercial world and they did all this undercover stuff and said, okay, we have a product here that if you ingest one of these every day with water, it will, you know, cleanse your skin from the inside and you can have, 
you can look 10 years younger in five minutes. They actually got real doctors from here in California. Uh, one doctor ended up losing her license and her job. She was a big-time dermatologist over this whole thing because at the end, they reveal that everything was a lie. They get these doctors to say whatever they want them to say, and they just hand them like five or $6,000. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, it's been clinically studied, which all of that is a lie. They get around that somehow. And, you know, it, at the end of the day, when they revealed that it was Nestle's Quick, that you can actually make chocolate milk with it, you know, everyone was like, no, it's not. This stuff really works. They were still trying to hang on to the lie. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was, it was chocolate milk, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what we do to people. We, we lie and, you know, tell them the truth. And I'm not willing to do that. As a, as a matter of fact, when is this show coming out? I'm not sure yet. Will it be immediately or will it be a couple of weeks or what do you think? Well, I was thinking it's either going to be next week or in two weeks. Between the next one to three weeks, I have to look at that. Why? Would you like an exclusive? Sure. Okay. I have spent the past year creating a vitamin. Oh, you have this. Huh? I've been I've been listening to you wanting to about how you wanted to create a vitamin. Okay, keep going. Yeah. I've been working on it for a year. Uh-huh. And not just coming up with any kind of vitamin because I went to every vitamin company you can possibly go to and every one of them said to me, "Why do you want to start from scratch? Why don't you just take something else we have out there and just slap your label on it? Everyone's going to buy it." And I wouldn't do that because number 1, I wanted to use top ingredients, right? Uh-huh. I wanted to use, because there is a difference between the, the low grade stuff and the high grade stuff. I wanted to use the good pharmaceutical grade ingredients mm-hmm. for the 13 essential vitamins and the, the, the essential minerals. That was number one. Number two, I didn't want to have any binders or fillings um, in the vitamins. Most vitamins that you buy, almost every one of them, as a matter of fact, either has sugar or some kind of grain or silica in the product. Do you know what silica is? No. It's sand. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's what they use in grout when they grout your shower. <laughs> That's in your vitamin. You're taking sand. And the only reason they put it in there is to fill out the capsule because they're not giving you the good stuff. And literally, it took me a year to go figure out what would, you know, and I'm using the RDA numbers. Other people use other, you know, we're, we're doing everything by the books. We, we, we check the ULs, the RDA, the ULs are the upper limits, the lower limits. And we struck this incredible balance because of the entire time. And I had a whole team working on this and the money came right out of my pocket. And the entire thing was, I want to make a vitamin that I want to take. And that was the impetus for the entire vitamin. This is a vitamin that I'm making for me. And since I can't make a bottle at a time, I created enough for everyone else. And we're going to be selling it at, and this is the kicker, a ridiculously low price. Like you're going to be getting the best vitamin you could get in the world at a Flintstones price. Really? Yeah. And and how are you making that happen? Um, I'm... I'm hopefully counting on volume. Okay. Because what I did was everybody I went to, every bean counter I went to said, 
you need to double the price on these vitamins because you don't have enough margin built in. And I said, I don't care. I want the average man to be able to afford the same vitamin that they would get if they walked into, not the same, better than if they walked into Whole Foods or you know Trader Joe's or Sprouts or any of these high-end markets where they sell vitamins for $60 you know, for a month's supply or $30 or $40 for a month's supply. I want that same vitamin without the sand, without the grains, without the sugar. I want it to be at an affordable price. And I think, I'm not quite sure, but it looks like we're going to get it to you for just under 10 bucks. Wow. A month. Wow. Because, you know, um, I get uh, fish oil from Nordic Naturals, and it's 45 to $50 a month just for that. Well, I could tell you this. Uh, good fish oil. Yeah. Is re the good real stuff is expensive um, because, you know, I, I've been taking Carlson's for years. As a matter of fact, people ask me about all the supplementation I take. I don't take much. I take um, a multivitamin mineral every day. And by next week, I'll be taking mine. Um, and I take uh, fish oil. And, and when I ride the bike, I do take an electrolyte because, you know, you're sweating out of time. But I'm not a big pill taker. And I've never been, you know, my clients are always shocked that I'm not recommending tons and tons of powders and potions and sports bars and sports gels and all the stuff that we've been lied to about. I stick to what works. And I got to tell you, fish oil is one of those things that will keep your brain young and keep your body moving. Yeah, it's really, and it's also really good for inflammation too, isn't it? Hugely. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the big things because I have a back situation. And so that was one of the reasons I decided to start taking fish oil. Is it helping? You know, I think so. I mean, there's, I don't think it's, there's one thing, right? I think it's doing my physical therapy. I think it's a bunch of different things, but it's been better. And um, so I just continue to take it and I'm willing to shell out the money for good quality fish oil. And the other key about this fish oil is that when I burp, it doesn't, you know, some fish oils, you burp it and you can, and I don't like that. So um, that part's important to me. So I, there may be a filler in that, but I'm willing to take that for the fish oil. Well, they have ways to keep the burping down. Uh, I've, you know, I grew up in a fish family. Of course, I grew up in Southern Louisiana. It's what my family did back in Italy. Um, uh, there, half of my family is from Reggio Calabria, and there were fishermen both in Italy and when they got to the United States. And uh, I grew up on fish. I still eat fish. I don't want to exaggerate, but I'll bet it's four or five days a week. And I take fish oil every day. And hey, guys, I almost died of cancer. So <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> well, so let's so let's go back to this. So you you had you wrote this book, you then you started this podcast to build this audience you have. Right. And, um, and then you've continued to, here's the other reason that I like you, like when you talk about creating this product, right? And all the people out there are saying, hey, you need to double double the cost for the consumers because that's the only way you can make money and you, you think about the average man and the thing that gets gets to me is that what i have been able to identify listening to you either your book on fitness confidential or in your podcast is that you really remember your roots and where you came from and how how what you know, the consequences of the choices that you make, right? So whether it's doing an infomercial and realizing, oh my gosh, people are going to say, hey, Vinny's, you know, out there selling this product, that this is something that I should go buy, right? So you understand that responsibility that you have. And you're always thinking about the common man, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, instead of, oh, how can I make 
my big bucks over here and screw everybody else. You're not willing to do that. So I just, I appreciate that about you, Vinny, especially in this day and age. Well, thank you. The, the reason I care about the common man is because I'm the common man. Um, I, I didn't grow up, you know, in LA, New York and LA have terms that the rest of the world don't hear. Um, they talk about the people we fly over. Mm-hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, back in the sitcom days, they would always hire a lot of writers from the Midwest because people who grew up in, in New York or L.A., they can't even relate to everyone else in the country. They don't really know that people might buy a car and they'll keep that car for 20 years or 10 years. Here, once the car needs an oil change, they're turning it in. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> the oil wore out. We need new oil. I, I need a new car. I literally know people who do 12 and 24 month leases on their car just so that they can always have the new car smell. Um, I didn't grow up with that. I grew up extremely middle class. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. Uh, my parents spent every dime they had putting all four of us in, in private Catholic school, and um, <laughs> which I want to kill them for. Not the private school part, but the Catholic part. Um, but, you know, it's that sort of thing where we grew up with values. Mm -hmm. And I know what it, we, what it takes to make a dime. And I'm not willing to dupe people into charging two and three times as much. And, and by the way, the woman I'm with, uh, you know, everyone's, you know, Serena Scott Thomas is an actress. And she comes from an acting family. Her, her sister, Kristen, uh, they're, they're big deals and everyone goes, oh, you know, they're, they're big deals and they're glamorous and the whole thing. But guess what? They grew up extremely poor. Mm -hmm. their, their dad died when they were very young and they grew up in a countryside of Wales and they didn't have a whole lot. So we always look around and go, okay, you know, how do people live? What does it take to live? How much money do people have? And we, we bargain shop. You know, Serena's a Bond girl. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> she goes and, has, and signs her autograph and makes money by doing that. Um, yet we shop at Target and mm -hmm. at, at uh, uh, what's the other one? Walmart. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't believe in just, oh, we're living high on the hog. We, we drive, we, we, we're very American. We drive Japanese, you know, regular <laughs> Japanese cars. You know, but everyone we live around, drive BMWs and, and Mercedes and the whole thing. We're not those people. And I'm not trying to get on some high horse here, but I know how the other half lives because I'm the other half. Mm -hmm. I grew up in that. And anytime I think about a product, I think about my family and my friends. Would they buy this? Would they be proud of me if I put this out? And that's usually my, my, you know, my telltale. Well, do you think having this kind of, um, these grounded values has helped you work in the industry that you're in. I mean, you're in Hollywood and you work with, you know, some, some really big people in Hollywood, right. And celebrities. And one of the things my listeners will say to me is cause I have a lot of big people that come onto my show, but I'm never like swooning over them. I, I, I treat them respectfully. Right. But that I'm grounded. They're a person and they've done these amazing things and I'm a person and how can we have this dialogue? And it's, I would imagine with you, you don't swoon, plus you're not selling out your client list, right? Which is one of the things some of the publishers wanted for Fitness Confidential was you to sell out your client list. But it, you, you walk in and you, go, and you help them regardless of whatever their status is in Hollywood. That's what my impression is. Yeah, um, 
I, I've never been super impressed by celebrity. Um, and the reason I've always kept my my list very, very quiet is because some of them are, and this person has never been a client of mine, but I'll use her as an example. You know, when Britney Spears was getting into trouble, you know, she was having uh, some kind of nervous breakdown or whatever, and she was in the news every day. You would always hear sources close to yada, yada, yada. Those sources are always housekeepers, trainers, and masseuses or masseurs. And, and that's, that's who they're getting the information from. Yet, if they don't know that you're working with that person, they would never call you. So I've made it like a, a commitment to myself not to really give my list away. Um, now, everyone knows that Howie Mandel is one of my, my clients because he and I are friends outside of that. Well, and um, he's told the world that you're his trainer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, does, he goes everywhere and tells everyone, this is my trainer and I'm very proud of him. Um, I think Brad Garrett, the comedians, because they're not, you know, divas. So I don't have to worry, you know, Brad Garrett was another one that would, you know, you know talk about me in public and this and that and the whole thing. Um, but I don't go out of my way. And, and by the way, no one's looking for Brad Garrett to give you, you know, a crotch shot getting out of a limo. You know, as a matter of fact, I just got a horror show in my mind thinking of that. Um, <laughs> but y you know what I'm saying? It's like those guys you can say because even though they're big celebrities and, and Damon Wayans, the same way, comedians, you can talk about the comedians. <laughs> it's just the other ones you can't really talk about. I've never been starstruck. Well, I'm lying. I was starstruck one time. You know, they say there's always that one person that if you meet them, you, you, you'll get tongue-tied and you'll start sweating. And that happened to me uh, with Anne Bancroft. You know, I literally walked up to her and said, do you know who you are? <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, the graduate and Fatso, my favorite movie ever, and your aunt. And yeah, I, I was literally like that with her. And um, other than that, it's never happened to me. I got a feeling that would happen to me with Pacino, who I've never met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I don't get really starstruck. But you're able to work with your clients and train them as people. Yeah, because when I meet them, they, they still have B.O. and bad breath. <laughs> you know, and no one's putting makeup and doing hair when I come over. These or people look like crap and smell like crap and everything else. You know what I mean? They're not who they are. They don't even look like they look, which is the odd thing. Or when you do a radio interview, they're coming off the pool deck, hair in a bun, T-shirt on, and running shorts. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, right? <laughs> well, so let's go on and talk about fixing your metabolism and, um, and exercise and weight loss because you see some stuff on your podcast that uh, I think may have been the only place that I've heard about exercise and the impact on weight loss. Yeah. And, and by the way, when I do speeches now, because that's another thing that I do, uh, the first thing I do when I walk on stage usually is I will tell everyone I've been a fitness trainer for 30 years and weight loss is absolutely the worst way to try to lose weight. And when you walk on stage and you say that, you get everyone's attention right away. Uh, but that's, that's the truth. That's the God's honest truth. Um, you, 
yeah, can you lose weight? If you're starving yourself, because exercise using exercise for weight loss is the equivalent of calorie in calorie out. And we have proven that you can lose weight, some people can lose weight, doing calorie in calorie out. The problem is, you're depriving yourself in either case, whether you're exercising it, or if you're just eating fewer calories, you're depriving yourself. And some people can do it for a lifetime. Uh, people who can really self hate really well can do it for a lifetime. Um, <laughs> uh, other people will do it until they lose that 100 pounds or 50 pounds or 30 pounds or 150 pounds. But no one can do it forever. Uh, the best uh, example that we see all the time is when people go on shows like The Biggest Loser, mm -hmm. you know, they will run them to death, and they basically starve them to death. And in no time, you have extremely large people losing weight. But we've learned over the years that the long term effect is, by and large, what, what is it 90 or 95% mm -hmm. of those people never keep the weight off? Yep. Which proves that calorie in calorie out does not work. So you said something and I want to go back to it. You said people okay. who self hate can maybe keep it going for a lifetime. And why is that self hate thing so important? You know, humans are very resilient. When you think about people who uh, have been tortured for years in death camps, and, um, and I don't mean to relate this to anyone who suffered like that. Humans are incredibly resilient. Animals in general are resilient. And some people will put in their minds that, okay, I've lost weight like this, so this is the only way to do it. Therefore, my narcissism will outweigh, you know, the id and the ego is constantly fighting in their brain. And the narcissism is, hey, all I have to do is be a strong person and not, and, you know, just deny myself and I can stay thin. Mm -hmm. I just don't see where it's a healthy way to live. You know, I couldn't imagine living with that kind of, weight hanging over my head. Can you? No, no. It, it, exactly. You're a life coach. I mean, would you tell anyone, hate yourself for the rest of your life, but hey, you'll look good. Well, I mean, you know, we're both athletes, right? Or I was a former athlete. I don't call myself an athlete anymore, but you can't be a successful athlete and hate yourself and have a long career and be successful. And, um, and so when we apply those same principles you know, to being successful in other areas, whether it's weight loss or anything, that self-hatred is usually not sustainable. And it will, maybe it can be controlled in one area, but it will blow up in another area. That's what I've, I've experienced and I've seen. So I, I think that's the common thing that happens, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, we see so many athletes who become, you know, drug, drug abusers and alcohol abusers. Mm -hmm. And you go, geez, how did that happen? Well, someone who hated themselves so much that they had to find a way out. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing happens all the time. So getting back to the original question, calorie in, calorie out, or trying to use exercise to lose weight is just a horrible way to do it. As a matter of fact, um, you know, we, 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 I'm guessing you also, we know people who decide, I'm going to run a marathon. And as soon <laughs> as they make that decision... They tell themselves, I'll be able to run 26 miles and I will be lean and sinewy. I will look like, you know, the guy from Kenya who crosses the line first, maybe minus the tan and this sort of thing, right? We tell ourselves all those things when we decide to run a marathon. 
Well, you get into, you know, you start running a couple of miles a week and then you start running more and more and more because the plan requires that you keep building up miles. And at some point you learn that you're going to bonk during that workout. Well, as soon as you bonk, you go to Google and you find out, oh, wait, I was supposed to start taking in sugar. Mm -hmm. I need goo and I need a cliff bar and I need a power bar and I need Gatorade. All things that shouldn't be in a person's diet. So there becomes this, this cognitive disconnect where you, you're sitting there going, well, all the pros are using this stuff and they're thin. Ergo, I will use this stuff and I will be a faster runner and I will be thin. And sure enough, when you start taking the stuff, you feel great when you work out. So it's got to be working. And before long, I'll be running as fast as the guy from, from Kenya, mm-hmm. right? But it, it never happens that way. What happens is you're taking in so much sugar during your workout that you're throwing your system off. Your body is constantly releasing insulin, which, by the way, makes you feel good while you're doing that exercise, but you're literally causing inflammation to happen before the workout is even over with. You, you, you're causing a negative effect, and you don't even know it. And what do all these people tell you to do after you work out? Carb up, have more carbs, mm-hmm. eat pasta. Now the, the, the chocolate milk people are getting on board, mm-hmm. not to bring chocolate milk up twice in the same podcast. I think it might be a record. <laughs> but the bottom line is these people are getting on board going, hey, you get done with your workout of all that sugar you've been eating, have more sugar, have chocolate milk, because God forbid regular milk wasn't good enough. Let's sweeten it up. <laughs> you, know, you see where the problem is? We cause a cognitive dissonance, uh, disconnect when um, we, we tell people to, here's one thing, now do this. It well, makes no sense. Well, part of it, I mean, I had Gary Tobbs on my show like a year and a half ago, and I know you really like him and respect his work. And, you know, we have been, don't you think we've been browbeaten with this calories in, calories out? And that's where that self-hatred comes because the things that we are told in the media or by doctors or in nutrition classes, I mean, I used to teach health, Vinny, when I was, I used to be a tenure professor at a college. And, you know, these are the things that we taught because that was what the research indicated, right? But there was so it triggers so much shame. I find it triggers so much shame because people can't sustain it, like you were mentioning. And then they go, "Oh, see, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me." And the re- the thing I appreciate about Gary Tobbs is he was saying maybe we forgot a piece of really important research that was done in Germany in the 40s when the war war happened, and we weren't interested in this nutrition research. And you know all the stuff that's coming out about insulin and the importance of you know keeping your insulin levels down. Um, but this is a really new concept kind of out to the masses even because people still really think, I mean, the Fitbit, right? That, that's, right. that's a really people, I was just in Portland a couple months ago with a girlfriend and she's like, oh, you know, I should get a Fitbit. And I was like, really? Why? And she said, well, everybody has one. And I said, well, I don't, you know, and she goes, you don't? She goes, oh, okay, I guess I don't have to get one. But I know so many people that own Fitbits because they think that's going to be the solution for them. Well, the only solution is when everyone fails at everything, then they start looking for the truth. And, uh, you know, they say that with drug addicts. You know, you have to hit rock bottom before you really start looking for the truth. And, excuse me for choking into the mic. Um, You know, when people start doing things like, um, you know, trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken leg, it's just not going to work. You know, you might think you're doing better, but you're not. 
you know, you need to get it set, you need to get a cast on it, and you need to heal up. And until people hit rock bottom, they won't get to the truth. You know, case in point, you know, I was in college in the early 80s. And professors would say to me in certain classes, because I was going through, you know, I was, I was basically in pre-med at Tulane, because they didn't know where else to put the one guy that was trying to get a physical education degree. Um, <laughs> so I was in pre-med, and we would go through his biology and kinesiology and all, all the different courses that I had to take uh, with the pre-med kids. And in the, the uh, biology classes, uh, we would hear things like, your body's prefer, uh, preferred uh, source of energy is fat. So a very young Vinny would write down, okay, body's fat. Okay, good, got that. Okay, uh, now when you start expending energy, your body uses sugar. So you need to keep putting, you know, it uses, you know, glucose. You need to keep putting glucose in. If, you need, if you're going to stoke the, the fire, you need to put glucose in. So I would raise my hand and everyone would go, oh, not again. And <laughs> I would say, wait a minute. Just the other day, you were telling me that our bodies prefer to use fat as fuel. Yeah, that's right. Well, if our bodies prefer to use fat as fuel, why all the sugar? Well, because when your body starts moving faster, but wait, that doesn't make sense. If, if our bodies have a preference, if our brains send the message to have a preference, why do we need all the extra? Because it doesn't, it doesn't fuel the, the body fast enough. Yeah, but why doesn't it? Uh, we don't know why. It took me on my own to start doing the N equals one experiment experiments to realize that, oh, wait a minute, you could get your body to start utilizing fat in the absence of carbohydrates. You know, the key is, is you have to cut the carbohydrates out for long enough. Now, let me throw a caveat in there. We're not talking about vegetables and we're not talking about fruit. We're talking about when you refine sugar and your body is getting these direct hits of sugar and then your body has to release hormones to deal with those sugars, which Gary Tobbs talks about all the time. Mm -hmm. That was the big difference. Yeah, you can have all the, all the vegetables you want. You can actually have fruit as long as it's not high glycemic fruit and your body will still start to utilize fat. And we call that being fat adapted. Uh, that's a term that didn't even exist three years ago. Um, we started bringing it out on podcasts like mine. And uh, Timothy Noakes, who, who you know, has been on my, my show three times now, will tell you, go back to his book, Running Lore, and just rip out the whole section on diet. He was wrong. He admits he was wrong about that. Mm -hmm. And he's changed over to do things the way we're doing it. And it seems to work. So you, you caught on to this in college, but you didn't, you did, didn't you follow the sports nutrition advice about carbs and sugars and, you know, goo drinks and all that stuff up until you had cancer? Yes and no. Okay. I, I did with myself because, you know, when I was off the bike, because I, I'm a cyclist, um, when I was off the bike, I would eat a higher fat, higher protein diet. I would stay away from pastas and such. And, uh, but when I was on the bike or right before I got on the bike, I would have a lot of pasta or a potato or something carby, something high sugar, something with a high glycemic, uh, high, um, glycemic index and something that would cause a glycogen load. I would continue to have the sugary stuff on the bike. But as soon as I got off the bike, I would go back to eating my regular diet. Um, I did that for years, but my secret in Hollywood and the thing I wasn't willing to tell anyone was 
The way I keep women in size two outfits is by feeding them a lot more fat and a lot less sugar. And they don't care how the sausage is made, no pun intended. They just want, they need to look a certain way. And they don't want to have to figure it out. And they don't care what you tell them to eat. This is their job. They will do whatever you tell them to do. So my big secret was I had all of my clients on high fat diets, except when I started training more triathletes, because that became a thing, and swimmers and runners and cyclists, because that all became a thing somewhere around 2000 or 2001. I became two faced. If if you were doing that, well, you had to have more sugar. If you were not doing that, if you were not doing all the exercise, you know, I would keep people on the high fat diet. So I had a two prong approach. Well, okay, so I don't think you're being two faced. I think you are meeting the needs of the people you're working with, right? I thought I was. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's being two faced. I just, I mean, and that's what I mean. That's what coaches do. And I mean, you're a trainer, but I use the word coach. I mean, you meet the needs. So I want to go back to something. So when you said, this is something I think that's really important to get clarified for the listeners. High fat diet. What kind of fats does that mean? All right. So we're going to stop this interview here because Vinny and I actually taped two podcasts because he had a lot to say. So we're going to elaborate about what, if, what does he mean by high fat diet? And we're going to talk about um, NSNG, which is the program that he put together or the way of living that he has. And we'll be talking about NSNG lunches for your kids, as well as uh, sports nutrition information. So that will be in the next episode. And so in this interview, we talked about, you know, Vinny's experience of why people have been duped, right? There's been, he had the opportunity he's been on, like you guys have heard me talk about, he's behind, been behind that green curtain, right? I always refer to that from the Wizard of Oz. And he's been back there and knows how the infomercial world was worked, or he talked even about vitamins and the things that to be aware of. Um, so that's why he's America's angry tra tra angriest trainer, and he did get a little angry, but it's because he does care about the people and how it get affected. And he has, you know, I always my saying that I use is that we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, or we ha we know the roots of where we've come from. And it sounds to me that Vinny really respects those roots of where he's come from and how he can continue to help people. And that's one of the reasons that I become a big fan of his podcast and listening to it because he just is congruent, pretty congruent with his message and he's not going to let the almighty dollar sell him out. So I wanted to go back to some of the stuff that he talked about with exercise and weight loss. I mean, isn't it astonishing when you hear a trainer say, you know, look, weight loss not weight loss. And that's actually what he said, but exercise is absolutely the worst way to lose weight. And to reiterate that is because he was talking about it goes back to the calories in calories out deprivation. And if you want to hear more about that, you can also listen to my interview with Gary Tobbs and I'll have that on the interview page. So you can just easily find it and link to it. But so he talks about how that long-term deprivation is the one that's causing the problems. And unless you have a lot of self-hatred, right, or really, really rigid, it's hard to sustain. And that's why the, the dieting or uh, the diet rate failure is 95%, 90-95%. And I've had lots of experts come on and say that. And that's why when we watch shows, like he had referenced earlier, that, you know, we'll watch these people, they'll lose the weight. 
But then we always know, you know, they do the follow up a year or two, three years later, and they've gained the weight back. So those are just some things to think about. And today was really an introduction about who Vinny is and why he does what he does. And um, the next episode, we're going to really get into more of what you can do and um, and and really how his philosophy is that I appreciate. Um, one of the things that I think is so important for you, the listeners, is to always, you know, I, I talk about to my clients that I'm always reading a lot of different things and I'm listening and I'm questioning it, you know, and, and question everything and see, does this resonate? You know, do you have evidence? Does this work for you? And especially when it comes to food is what foods does your body thrive on? What foods does it not? Right. There's so much controversy right now on the, out in the Internet sphere and just with discussions with friends or in Facebook about gluten, no gluten, sugar, you know, what is there to eat? What is there to not? Um, so but you, the big thing is, is becoming the expert on your body and listening to your body. And letting go, of, like I talked about earlier, when we were talking about the shame bit, right? It's not about being a good person or a bad person. And it's not about it's so much of around our weight and our body is, issues are triggered. We trigger our shame because we believe we are bad. There's something wrong with us. Why can't we sustain this, right? And when we're in a place of shame, we tend to disconnect. And for, you know, what I used to do or what my clients will do now is that usually that disconnection, they disconnect from themselves and then they go and eat behind their own back and, and they're eating, but they're not really paying attention. They're not enjoying it. And that becomes a problem for them, right? They're consuming so much food and they're not even enjoying it and they keep, and that's where that binge eating comes from. So, you know, it's about letting go of shame. One of the things that Brene Brown has said is that, you know, shame or perfection is the birthplace for all addictions and that would go with food as well. So I really invite you guys, you know, to let go of the shame, let go of doing it perfectly. And, you know, there's, there's, you can stand at the grocery store. I was standing there this morning and there's going to be 12 different ways and they're going to, they're going to conflict with each other. But what works for you? right? And that that's the most important thing. Testing that out, getting to know what works for you is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. And letting go of, I should be doing it this way. I have to beat myself up. I must be good, right? It's not about being good or bad. It's about listening to your body, tuning into how it feels, seeing how you can get better energy, and that you can go and do the things that you want to do in your life instead of being, you know, uh, having prison walls about what you can and cannot do with food. So that's a really important thing. And one more thing I want to clarify, when Vinny is saying that exercise is absolutely the worst way to lose weight, he is not saying to, for people to not exercise. Exercise, you know, one of the things that I know from listening to his podcast and reading his book and his blog is that exercise is really important for strength, for long-term health, you know, and also just for your brain to work. One of the things that I will make sure that I go do this now is, is that I go and work out because my brain just works better. It makes me do better shows. It makes me better coach, a better business person, entrepreneur. 
And so it's really important to use our body and to create movement. But in the sense of I go and I exercise because I'm giving to myself, whereas many years ago, I would go and exercise because, oh, well, this is what I have to do to lose weight, right? And that's being a taker. So he's not saying not to exercise and you can sit around and be on the couch. What he's saying is that it's not a great form of weight loss, right? And so when you listen to the next episode, you'll hear about what kind of fats he's talking about and also kind of the lifestyle that he talks about living in a way that fits for you. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide away. Captured in the